Hey, welcome again to Film Festival Reviews with news and views of what's happening on the independent film festival circuit. This is Christina Kotlar and I'll be your host. And in this episode, we'll highlight some silver things. We'll be talking to some people about Silver Docks that's going on in um, June 13th through the 18th in downtown Silver Spring, Maryland, one of my favorite places. I used to live in Maryland and um, I used to live in Silver Spring. So it brings back memories when I'm going to, you know, when I go down there to visit some of my friends. It was a very different place. When I lived there 10 years ago, uh, the downtown area was very run down and the Silver Theater, built in the 1930s, was shut down, abandoned, and ready to be torn down, demolished, even though it was one of the three remaining Art Deco style theaters in the DC area. I'm happy to see the resurgence of Silver Spring when the uh, AFI took over the Silver Theater and Discovery Communications built their world headquarters there. And right after that, Silver Dock showed up. And uh, the first year was very successful and now it's in its fourth year. Last week was a media kickoff and I had the opportunity to speak with Patricia Finneran festival director and Sky Sydney programming director. I don't know if we'll be able to fit both interviews in because uh, they both had a lot of good things to say. We talked about a lot of different things and I just uh, want to make sure that you know I get the entire interview in you know because it was good stuff. But if we don't get to Sky's interview this time around uh, we most certainly will get to it next week so let's get on with the program and um, here's Patricia Finneran from Silver Docks. Enjoy the show. Yesterday we just had a little event for the press. Yeah, it was our launch luncheon at Old Ebbet Grill, which is a fun place to launch Silver Docks in the kind of heart of Washington, D.C., just steps from the White House. And this is the fourth year of Silver Docks. It's kind of amazing that we're only four years old. So I was lucky. I came uh, down from New York to run Silver Docks three years ago, so it's my third year. And the first year was great, but each year we've really grown significantly. We're now a six-day festival. This year we have 100 films and doubled the number of premieres. We had 1,687 submissions this year, which um, was a huge increase from the last year, which was wonderful, although a lot of fun work. Well, I, I was a screener. Oh, you were? For you. I think it was the second year. Oh, okay. okay. But I, I watched 30 films. And uh, I, w I want to see more. It's a funny job because it's a real-time task and it's mostly enjoyable. And But even if you don't like the film very much, you need to watch the whole thing. Even when you don't like a film, you learn something from it. So the process of being a screener and running a film festival is just ever-engaging, ever-mind-expanding you know, job, which is great. The other day someone asked me, so what are your hobbies? And I was like, oh, running, uh, rollerblading. You know, because you go, when your job is watching movies, you don't need that many other hobbies. I know when I was watching them, I made sure that I watched every single one, you know, just to give the filmmaker the courtesy. So what are the things that you look for? Because this film festival has really just come across some important films mm -hmm. and some very popular films and some amazing films. 
that a lot of film festivals seem to miss. What's your criteria in choosing these films? First and foremost, Silver Docs has made a commitment to independent creative filmmaking. We've also made a strong commitment to being an international festival. With our location here in Washington, D.C., there's a strong international community. It makes a certain amount of sense. So we look for great storytelling. We look for artistry and craft. We look for passion. Sometimes it's a first-time director who maybe has not yet mastered all the technical skills, but the film is made with tremendous passion. And at the same time, we love to show films from luminary filmmakers. You know, this year we have a film from Michael Apted, the 49 Up film, uh, Stanley Nelson's film, Jonestown, Life and Death of People's Temple. It's important to have a balance. So to answer your question broadly, what we look for when we program the festival really is balance. It's about addressing the diversity of the subjects and ideas that are out there and that the filmmakers are addressing. Independent documentary filmmakers have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world. And so the beauty and wonder of going to an international documentary film festival is you get to experience that in depth through the kind of creative vision of a filmmaker, through an artist's eyes, which is which can be incredibly rich and informative in a way that other media can't be. So that's, that's important. And in terms of sort of world premieres and discoveries, you know, there's some films this year that, you know, haven't shown anywhere else yet that I think will sort of break out. One that comes to mind in particular, um, we have a film called Breast Cancer Diaries about a young woman, Anne Marie Page, who was an on-air reporter in Maine and is married and the mother of two children and is diagnosed with breast cancer and had the incredible courage, really, to turn the camera on herself as she goes through that process. And so the film is a combination of made by a filmmaker and made by her, and it combines the two and gives you, I would say, unprecedented access to the experience of this and an unprecedented look into a love story, really, family and love. So I'm going on long about that film, but... Um, no, it yeah. really sounds like it really impressed you. It did. Or it really there, hit you. There are films that sort of hit you, you know. Yeah. And we were talking yesterday. We were talking the other day about this film when we show it because every time people look at the clips, they cry. But it's not a sad movie. I'm like, in the end, it's not sad. Really, it's not. Um, so no, it's going to be a very. It'll be interesting to see. You know, one of the things about it's a film festival, so there's a couple hundred people in the room, and it'll be the first time that the filmmaker and the subjects see it on the big screen. And there's really something magical that occurs when a film is shown to an audience, especially a really powerful film, whether it's a comedy or a drama. And the filmmaker is there, and the subjects are there, and that's the sort of magic of what we do. We sort of work all year thinking about the structure and the dates and the time and the venues and the program strands, and then the festival actually opens. This magic happens, and that's what we're really committed to doing is to bring in the subjects and also bring in reporters or policy analysts, journalists that cover that subject, think tank people from Washington, D.C. that are interested in or dealing with that issue all the time, so that filmmakers telling stories that they think matter, stories that matter, can tell those stories to a broad audience, but also to the people that matter, the people that can help them get their film out to people that are making decisions in the policy areas of what they've made films about, and really help those films have a real impact but it's also about who sees it. Well, it sounds like the location that is absolutely perfect, you know, being here in, in downtown Silver Spring and the Silver Theater, which is one of the three Art Deco uh, theaters left in the area. 
the Silver Docks came to pass basically when the American Film Institute decided to move up to Silver Spring and partner with Montgomery County to refurbish uh, and restore the 1938 Art Deco Silver Theater, relaunch it as the AFI Silver Theater. Simultaneously, Discovery Communications had outgrown its Bethesda space and was looking for a new world headquarters. And really, Discovery World Headquarters and the AFI Silver opened a few months apart and then Silver Docks happened about six weeks after the AFI Silver opened, so that was quite a year. But in some ways, it feels like the Silver Docks is every year kind of the anniversary of it all, and you kind of go, look what's happened since the first year. Now, there are dozens of wonderful restaurants around here. It's a real entertainment destination, and what's, what, it, what makes it, um, it continues to be an interesting story because it is about public-private partnerships. It's about arts as a way to draw the arts and entertainment to really help develop business, to help grow a business area and create a really vibrant community in a place that was kind of, you know, on the downhill slide. And I really feel like Discovery coming here and AFI being here has made a huge difference and a hugely special week here in Silver Spring, I think. I would also say, I mean, if you think, if we think about how we create our, our festival program overall, there's different constituencies. So first you have the kind of core constituency of the filmmakers and the film industry. So serving the filmmakers, taking care of their films, taking care of them, making sure they have the best possible exhibition environment. And we can show it in an incredible presentation, which really honors the filmmakers' work. But then we've created an international documentary conference that runs concurrent to the festival. And that is a couple of dozen workshops and panel discussions and special networking sessions that connect filmmakers with industry executives in a way that a lot of festivals have panel discussions, but these are really focused on the film industry. And this year we look at what we're calling the future of real. What used to be alternative forms of distribution are no longer alternative. So any story that a filmmaker or an artist creates, maybe it's intended as a full-length feature film, it might also be three-minute vodcasts, it might also be cell phone messages, maybe it's a continued blog around the subject of the film, all of those kind of things. How does that affect storytellers and, and all the kinds of alternative forms of distribution of feature-length film with home video, VOD, broadband. So looking at those things um, about how they affect the industry and the kind of how and what and the stuff you touch with the ideas. The future of real isn't about the device that you hold in your hand. It's about the power of that technology to get stories out there. It's about the power of the stories that the filmmakers are telling to connect people and engage audiences. So we're doing a lot of programs that start with the technology but then deal with impact, deal with partnering with nonprofits, how to shape the future. And our keynote speaker this year, former Vice President Al Gore, has a new film out right now called An Inconvenient Truth, directed by um, Davis Guggenheim, who's a friend of the festival. So that's an important foundation piece for the festival. On the other side of that, you have how this festival serves this immediate geographic community and, and kind of the statement that you make about what a festival should do, what an arts partnership should do. We receive an enormous amount of support from Discovery and from corporate sponsors and media partners. And so we have free screenings where we'll show movies out on a giant blow-up screen and have concerts beforehand because our goal is to expand the audience for documentary film. And even though documentaries are continuing to do better in, at the box office and receiving more and more acclaim, there's still a long way to go until they're you know, seen the same way as sort of 
maybe where independent film was, you know, 20 years ago. So showing films outside that are accessible to audiences that are maybe family-oriented, that kind of widens the circle, brings new people in, makes them think, well, you know, I didn't know a documentary could be so amusing and entertaining, and, and I knew they could be inspiring and informative, but to sort of bring in new audiences. Tell me a little bit about the, the program strands that you just mentioned. I know yesterday you were saying this, you want to get away from the idea that uh, there's a theme. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yesterday I said, I, well, I'm often asked by, um, by the press, but usually by sort of just friends or stuff, they say, so what's your theme this year? And I always say we don't have a theme. <laughs> so what we have is a vision. We have a vision for what this festival can mean to the community of documentary filmmakers and the media and to sort of making change and making a statement. So having a film festival and adding the conference means something, but also how we use films and how, what subjects we choose to turn a spotlight on. So for example, this year we're doing a whole program on global health, um, showing uh, eight films from all over the world that deal with global health issues. There have been a lot of films dealing with things like HIV, AIDS, uh, you know, malaria, and tuberculosis, but they're often from an American perspective, number one, which is great that they're out there, but we have an opportunity to show films that are also made by a filmmaker from China, you know, made by a filmmaker from Chile, and, and really that are in a foreign language, but are incredibly moving stories. We've also created an extraordinary advisory committee with people from UNICEF and the World Health Organization, the global fight, to help us think about concepts we should be dealing with, what issues we should be dealing with. And also those people bring a certain gravitas that we hope will connect the health community with film and seeing that film can really be a wonderful way to raise awareness about these issues. Former President Jimmy Carter, who heads up the Carter Center, dedicated to eradicating diseases, is our honorary chair. And his people and President Carter are really excited about what we're doing and recorded a special message. Um, another program that we're doing that has been, I have to just say, a lot of fun to put together was our Celebrate South Africa program. I went on a, a tour a program last fall to South Africa funded by the U.S. State Department as a cultural exchange program dealing with reaching out to young people. And so we did workshops with young filmmakers in South Africa, and I spent a couple of weeks there really talking to a lot of filmmakers, looking at films, doing workshops, and came to discover that this year, 2006, is the 30th anniversary of the Soweto uprisings which were a youth-oriented uprising that really launched the final kind of 18-year struggle and revolt against apartheid, to topple apartheid down. And it was started by young people who ended up changing the world. There was a lot of battle that happened in between, but a number of films were commissioned around this anniversary, and so we will actually have the world premiere theatrically of a number of these films from South Africa. How do you see the difference between your showing and everything than what would be or could be presented in New York? That's a good question. One of the things that's interesting from an industry perspective is because we have Discovery across the street, we also have PBS here in DC, and we have National Geographic and a couple of the large PBS commissioning stations in Virginia and in Maryland. So we work a lot with them, and you realize that while kind of theatrical is the holy grail for filmmakers, a theatrical release. Really, television is what funds most filmmakers, so it's important to give filmmakers access to those people that commission that work, and so that's an important part of what we do um, that you couldn't quite do in New York. Interestingly, New York doesn't have an all-documentary film festival, so one of the things I think we can do is create an event that's very, very focused. 
that is about, for us, it's about being the best at what we do. You know, there are a lot of wonderful film festivals, and I love going to them. I love going to our sister festival, AFI Fest. I love going to Toronto and Tribeca. But I think what we can do right here in Washington, D.C., or in the Washington, D.C. area in Silver Spring, dedicated to documentaries as a partnership between the American Film Institute with this great support from Discovery, is create an event that's solely dedicated to documentary film and really celebrates their work in a very focused way. That in some ways there's often so much going on in New York in terms of film that it's hard to kind of break out. Interestingly, in this town, it's sort of populated by politicians and policymakers and journalists are kind of the people you meet everywhere, right? And then the, the sort of amb uh, embassy community. And in that sense, I often find that what we do is sort of like a, not an oddity, but always of interest. And so people here are excited about coming to a film festival, and yet they're also open to coming to a film festival that shows work that isn't sort of fluff cinema, that's, you know, some serious work. So that's great to have this kind of audience. I mean, we work very, very hard to market the festival and to reach out to people. We print 275,000 quick guides, but we have this audience that shows up, and every year we sort of stand outside and see these lines for people waiting to go see movies made by people they've never heard of, about people they've never heard of, made in places they've never been to and may never go to. And yet they believe in what we do. They believe in the power of independent creative documentary filmmakers to really tell great stories and find great stories. And they take a risk and give us their time because ultimately that's what going to a movie is about. Sure, it's about the $9.25, but really it's about your time. And that's sort of amazing and great. I think the other thing, and that's something that I'm always looking for, is place to talk about the films after mm -hmm. you see them. You know, because you see something great and then you leave. Right. But you know, do, is there something that's going to be available for the audiences to be able to meet the filmmakers? I mean, besides the Q and A, I know the Q and A. Absolutely. Um, one of the things we create is particularly for our pass holders. There's lots of opportunity for people to talk kind of in the theater lab afterwards, but we have networking lunches. Every afternoon we have doc talk cocktails, and we have evening parties, almost three every single night, really, that give pass holders an opportunity to interact with the filmmakers and the industry people and have a chance to talk about the films and also just talk to each other, talk to other audience members, you know. That's why I would rather see it in an audience environment rather than the um, the press screenings. Right, right, exactly. It's not the uh, the press screenings. I've been to press screenings. It's a, yeah, it's not the same. The other thing I wanted to say that we're excited about this year is the Charles Guggenheim Symposium is kind of our signature event honoring the work and the legacy of Charles Guggenheim, who was a great American filmmaker who made films that really captured American history and just made films with tremendous humanity. So we're very excited. This year we're honoring Martin Scorsese, obviously well known for his narrative work, but his documentary work is equally extraordinary. You know, starting with films like the Blues series, last year's No Direction Home, Bob Dylan, The Last Waltz, and also his work that's looked at cinema, that's looked at American cinema or Italian cinema. He is a filmmaker who has such respect for the craft of filmmaking and such a deep appreciation for cinema. And so his documentary work is sort of as equally as precise and passionate and exquisite as his narrative work. And so it's great honor for us to you know, have him be a part of the festival and have the opportunity to acknowledge his, his contribution to the documentary form. 
I think he's also very much involved in uh, restored films, restoration films, and you know, going after those films that could be lost. Yes, exactly. And and some of the films that he's made have captured really important aspects of Americans. American history. Yeah, I mean, we think a lot now about sort of contemporary documentary and stories that are out there right now. Films about the war in Iraq or battle against a disease or great comedy films or music films that are happening capturing now. But, you know, an important element of the documentary tradition is historic films that shape our understanding of our own history. We're going to have a kind of sneak peek screening of Ken Burns' new film, The War, which is not a film, it's a seven-part series, actually. So we'll have a sneak peek of that in our conference program, and we'll be talking with the producers about their process of going through archives and finding the characters and, and putting a film together that captures such an important aspect of American history, really. I actually had an opportunity to talk to Ken Burns a little bit at the... Uh, press conference at uh, Tribeca. Uh -huh. It's so huge what he's yeah. doing. It's like, what about this? What about that story? He said, we just picked you know, four people, you know, four right. towns, yeah. you know, four stories. So how did you get hooked on, on documentaries? Have you always been involved with the documentaries? I fell in love with documentary, although I've done both narrative and documentary. I've worked sort of in the theater, and I worked as a development executive in Hollywood on, on scripts. The film that made me want to be a filmmaker or be interested in filmmaking was Al Maisel's film. I was an art history major in college, and Al Maisel's made a film called Running Fence, or the Maisel Brothers, I guess, about Christo's running fence. And it was such an extraordinary film, you know, such a simple thing, putting up a miles and miles and miles long fence, but the battle that they had to sort of create their work. And that film made me sort of think about documentary in a different way, because it's different than what you sort of grew up on. And then a couple of weeks later, I was actually hailing a cab in New York, and it was pouring rain, and there was sort of an older gentleman, and I had one of those New York moments of like, oh, God, he's going to take my cab. And, and he said, do you want to share a cab? And I said, sure. And so we got in together, and he was going to the Dakota, and I was going up to Columbia, and it was Al Maisel's. And I was so funny. It was like I was like one of those kids. That I was like, wow, you're Al Maisel's, and I just saw your movie, which he, of course, was flattered by because I don't think he gets, you know, a lot of people know him, but he, he's not an actual movie star, although he's a well-known guy. So anyway, but that was what sort of interested me in, in documentary. That's a great story. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. You never know who you're going to be sitting next to or standing next to. No, it. Always be nice to people. Always be nice to people. <laughs> and you know, the thing about Al Maisel is that I think is one of the things that makes him a great filmmaker is he talks to everybody and he treats everybody that he meets with the same incredible respect. You know, he makes films that have such an enormous respect for his subjects and honors them no matter what circumstances they are in. And I think that's one of the things that... And not all filmmakers do that, but it's an important thing. That's an amazing story. It's I love it. Those are little, <laughs> the little things that pop out. Yeah. Who would who would expect that? You know, I, I know. all of New York. So yesterday was the kickoff. Yep. And we have what? We have less than a month. We have three weeks to go, and a hundred films, thirteen world, twelve North American, six U.S. premieres. We open with Boffo, Tinsel Towns, Blockbusters, and Bombs from HBO and Variety, based on Peter Bart's book, but also directed by Bill Couturier, who's a wonderful director, about the alchemy of the hit, the search for the hit. Other great fun things we're doing is, of course, honoring Martin Scorsese, which we're excited about, the keynote speech from Al Gore. Friday night, we are doing our special South Africa program with a concert outdoors and the world premiere of a film called Soweto Blues. That's the history of the struggle through music with people like Miriam Makeba and Huma Sakela in the film. 
And then Saturday, lots of fun films. Our closing night film is interesting. Earlier in the day, we're showing Michael Apted's 49 Up. And then the Up series kind of moved across the pond. And now it's been made twice. And now this is the third one there with 21 Up. And 21 Up America is directed by Christopher Quinn, who made uh, God Grew Tired of Us, which won the jury and audience award at Sundance. So that's a world premiere film. And then there's a couple films that we're showing that we just feel like have been out there but are great to have the premiere of and kind of launch in this marketplace and do a special event around. We're showing wordplay. There's such this core audience of people that are fanatics about the New York Times crossword puzzle. So um, Will Shorts, the editor of the New York Times crossword puzzle, will be here and we'll do a I'm Times very, talk. I'm very excited about that. I know. I, so funny. <laughs> I know. And people, you don't know who, you never know who's like a complete New York Times crossword puzzle fan. You know, and the film is funny. The Bill Clinton and John Stewart and the Indigo Girls. These people. Ken you, Burns. Ken Burns, total total crossword puzzle person. And then The Road, Road to Guantanamo is a film we're showing on Sunday night, which is an interesting kind of risky program in a way because it's a documentary, but it's also a recreation um, from Michael Winterbottom. So that's an interesting film to that show. That would be interesting yeah. to see, you know, because yeah. you're seeing a lot of different things happening with the theatrical documentary. What is recreated, where the lines cross, but yeah. it's still telling the story. It's still telling a story. It's an interesting film because it's retelling that story by the people who experienced it to begin with. And yet it's not while it was happening originally, obviously. So it brings up some interesting questions. You know, one of the things you always want to continue to do is take some risks. Show a film. We have a film called Danielson, a family movie about a Christian rock band, and the Danielsons are coming. Um, they are a rock band, and they, believing in the healing power of music, they dress in nurses' uniforms, and they do this sort of... Challenging, I would say, um, musical presentations, and they've got quite a following. So, you know, you have to take risks. You have to do interesting things. You know, our tagline of independent thinkers welcome. Well, we welcome independent thinkers in terms of the audience, but we also try to think outside the box and select programs and create programs that open people's eyes and surprise people, you know. I'm really looking forward to this, and um, I'm just wondering if there's anything between now and and the start of the the festival that we have to look forward to. Are there going to be any other little sneak previews? There is actually. Um, the festival opens on June 13th with Bafo, but on June 5th we are working with Miramax on the premiere of in Washington of The Heart of the Game. It's a wonderful sports movie, so we're really excited about showing that. And Sheila Johnson, who owns the Mystics women's basketball team, is going to come and introduce the film, and so it should be fun. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I lived down here for 10 years. I moved down here 12 years ago when um, the Silver Theater was closed down. Yeah. And, um, they thought this American Dream Mall was going to be up here. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, you know, something else has to happen. Something yeah. else. And it, my prayers were answered. You know, so I'm very, very excited about this. It's great, great. Well, that. I'm surprised uh, we hadn't met before. Well, you know what? You're busy. Well, no, I'm not that busy. So I always have time for you. Okay. So um, next time I come down, we'll go out for a drink or something. Yeah, do do please, and um, look forward to seeing you at Silver Docs. Absolutely. So can't wait. I'm gonna take my microphone okay, off. Okay, thank you. I'm wearing my Silver Docs t-shirt. It's the Friday t-shirt. It's the Friday t-shirt. Okay, and we'll put this on. I'm still recording. Okay, stop. So there you have it. A lot of good things going to be happening down there at Silver Docks. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, be there June 13th through the 18th. Maybe get some good interviews with filmmakers. Should be good. 
Okay, next program coming up. We'll have more local events and some of the festivals going around here in town, in New York, New Jersey, anywhere else that I can get myself to. And we'll also be doing uh, something on the 25th silver anniversary of the Black Mariah Film Festival. I want to include some interviews on restoration projects, some films, as well as theaters heard that another film venue shut down. Um, the Wellmont Theater where the Montclair International Film Festival was just held last month and it, um, it's gone. It'd be good if we could save some of these theaters around, you know. So we'll see you next time and um, take it from there. Have a good evening and good night. <laughs>